From TriTank Experimental Laboratory, this is the TriTank Podcast, where we talk about all things related to innovation in the church. I'm Father Lorenz Labrija. Thank you for joining us. And welcome to the podcast today. Joining me today, we're going to be this. Actually, I need to begin by saying the date. Today, we are recording this on Friday, February 10th of 2023. This is important because what we're talking about seems to be changing on a day-to-day basis. And I just want to make sure that whoever is listening, that you know that this was recorded on February 10th, 2023. So by the time you hear it, if, if it's February 11th, it might have all already changed by then. So today we're going to be talking about everything related, well, not everything, about as much as we know, related to, to what's happening with artificial intelligence, particularly in chat. We've heard about chat GPT and some of the others that were announced this week from Microsoft and from Bing uh, and also from Google and, and their, their upcoming work with, with what's happening with artificial intelligence. It seems like we, we've gone from zero to 60 in really quick time. To help me in this conversation, because there will be an impact on the church, or there could be an impact on the church if we want to use the tool for, for good, if you will, is Father John Jordan. He is a priest at the Church of the Incarnation in Dallas, Texas, and he serves as the headmaster of the Dallas Campus and Theology Department Chair for Coram Deo Academy, a school in the classical Christian tradition. John, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Lorenzo. Happy to be here. Excellent. So, if if I were a a sixty five year old vestry person at a congregation in rural Arkansas, and someone comes and says, "Artificial intelligence is here," uh, I guess the first question is, should I be concerned? Uh, as that that random vestry person, right? I, I think the I think the answer to that is probably the same answer we would give to most new developments in technology, or at least that I would give. And, and that would be, um, no, you, you don't personally need to be um, concerned about this, the arrival of this new form of technology, but you do need to be very aware that it can be used in a variety of ways. And many of those uses could wind up being helpful. Many of those uses could wind up being hurtful. And that um, while fear is not our response, um, it is good to be weary of perhaps long-term unintended consequences of new technology. All right. So, so let's take a moment here. Let, briefly, what does this new technology, what is the current iteration of sort of the, the new technology? In November, uh, one version was released, and this week we saw a flurry of more activity as more. Could you tell us what's the basic what what does this technology do? So it, it, in a traditional search engine, you can type some terms and an algorithm, which is using, in a sense, artificial intelligence, will go and find results, existing websites that match what you're searching for. And, and you get to see that information and go and explore it yourself. Um, you'll, you'll maybe you know, ask a question like, what, what was the cause of the French Revolution? And you'll be presented not with an answer to that question, but with various sources that you could go read to then determine yourself what is the cause of the French Revolution. This this new iteration of artificial intelligence chatbots, as they as they were called at some point, is um, doing that second step for you. So you you would ask a question: What is the cause of the French Revolution? And a, a computer trained to 
understand is certainly not the right word, but a, a computer trained to um, skim a number of sources and compile some sort of almost Frankenstein-esque answer will then mm-hmm. respond with, the French Revolution had three primary causes. The first cause of the primary revolution was social unrest and the leadership of so-and-so. And, and so it, it, will, it will actually go out and, in that sense, do some initial research for you and then present you with not links to sources, but an answer to the question that you posed. What's interesting about the, this, this new technology or the way that the announcement that Google made this week was what I found most interesting was that 50% of the search queries on Google, which is billions a day, require more than just those links, that people are looking for uh, a more synthesized answer of what's available out there. What I found also interesting was that on that same day, as they were testing out the new technology, it provided an inaccurate answer to a question that was asked uh, at the presentation, which which did tank the the stock price. I think they lost like a hundred billion dollars worth of market value that same day. Google they'll get it back, right? But I think that's a warning for us, right? That uh, while it is trying to thin- synthesize the answers, it is not a human. It is a, it is capable of making mistakes. Absolutely, um, and and. Um... So a, a couple of things about that. One is it, it absolutely, I mean, it's you, you, it, it was, it was almost just comical to see and completely understandable that a, a machine that does not have a brain that, you know, the creators of chat GPT in the about page will be very quick to say this, this program knows nothing. It understands nothing. So it, it's, it is compiling, studying human language and trying to give the best report, but it's understandable that, that these tools will make mistakes I think it's very valuable for those mistakes to be highlighted and for us to know that that's part of what you get with it. So that's on, on the one hand, that um, one reason perhaps why these are not going to replace our, the very human work of research and writing is that they're, they're prone to mistakes. But on the other hand, so is a human being. Um, and, and if you, Good point. I think my, my concern with, the rise of this artificial intelligence is that it's and the Google stat that you shared about 50% of the queries is, is exactly what I'm, what I'm beginning to see as maybe part of the problem is that we are going to machines to answer questions that we previously went to a human for Um, YouTube searches. I, I once saw where, you know, how do I change my oil? How do I change a tire? Well, these are questions you would ask your, father or your mother or a relative or, or in shop class. And, and so I, I do home repair from time to time and try to build things from time to time and, and use YouTube almost religiously for those purposes. And it's really nice to see, but, um, but an unintended consequence of having information so readily available to us is that we are replacing one facet of relationship. Um, the gaining wisdom and information from somebody, another human. And, and that I think is the, the bigger concern. I lead a school and, and we're certainly concerned with plagiarism and, and academic dishonesty through these bots and whatnot. But, but to me, the, the bigger reason for a vestry member in Arkansas or, or a priest in Virginia or Dallas is, is to be, um, aware that we are going more and more to machines for things we used to go to humans for. And, and, and I think that's, 
something that should give us pause. Now, that's a good point, actually. I hadn't quite thought about that because I could see that someone who is already perhaps leaning towards being an introvert who would rather not go and ask the librarian or go and ask someone that they know as their friends. And also, if, 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 if it might be a question that puts you in a vulnerable like state, right, that says, like, I'm afraid of asking this question, so I'm going to ask it of a... I could see both that that could drive that person who has that, that tendency to become even more introverted and just sort of like not want to be with society for the most part. But I guess there's also, um, could there not be a plus part to that, that may be a question that they might be afraid of asking of a real human being, they can at least attempt to ask it of a right? So that they're not just dealing with the question on their own. And maybe it's an opportunity for us to create some, some, I don't know if it's a depository of information or something where someone could could get answers to some of the questions that they might be afraid of asking their local priest or going because the, they might be going through something inside. And is is there a place for that? Is there is there a way that this technology could be used for good for those very delicate questions? I think because I know that there will be some that would say yes to that. I, I mean, I'll... I'll I, I, think, I think in those cases, one, there are, I, I know this is going on a podcast, but I'll, I'll Google things that I don't want to ask people, right? Like we don't, I'm, I'm mm. being facetious here, but like, what does this rash mean for my health? You know, like there are just some <laughs> things that you, that you're, you're going to, to want Google. to do that. But I'll, on to Dr. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Right. And, and <laughs> in that context, the results are often detrimental too to our own mental health of, of um, that's true. I'm I'm sneezing and my left side hurts and I have a headache in the back of my head and 20 minutes later I am very concerned about this incredibly rare disease that could kill me tomorrow. Um, when in reality <laughs> I probably had a bad night's sleep. Um, yeah. uh, so I, I think I think the the fact that there are things that we would rather ask a bot than our priest. More than this being an exciting solution to that, to me, it's it's a somewhat disheartening diagnosis of the status of pastoral relationships and pastoral ministry today. And I and I think um, it, it could be that some energy put towards um, a depository of information, like you said, that could answer just some basic, you know, if your parish website had a had a instead of scroll through this to find out who we are you can ask this bot and they'll tell you our history and our story like that um, i'll leave to the side that there could be some real key benefits of that um but i i'd rather have seminaries and parishes and and bishops and, and those thinking through these things look at the deeper question of why would somebody be more comfortable going to the bot than the parish in the first place and it and I think the answers are probably uncomfortable um, and probably yeah. point to failures of, of the church and, and the clergy and vestry and members and community. Um, but I think those are at least worth asking and, and searching alongside trying to harness this tool for, for good. Interesting. Yeah. And, and you're right. I think it, it is now that it is here, it is important that we start having the conversations and start having the what does this mean? Uh, what does this mean? What got us sort of here? And, and how can we sort of move on from here? Uh, that said, though, there are, I think, 
uh, as I was looking at the technology and playing with it, there are some things that it can do that it can do fairly well that could be helpful for us. I, I, I for example, I this this may sound sort of uh, trivial, but I took uh, a work of Augustine just to try it. I took like four paragraphs, and I'm like, oh, and I said, hey, ChatGPT, could you translate this into fifth grade reading level? And it did. And it was a much easier sort of approach to to Augustine and, and the City of God. And, and it was like, oh, okay, so that's an interesting, that could be an easy, a sort of interesting approach to this. I, I could, you can also, by the way, in ChatGPT, if you say, uh, I want to create an Excel uh, formula that does X, Y, and Z, you can ask it and it will create an Excel formula that does X, Y, and Z for one of our upcoming masterclass webinars, I said, hey, ChatGPT, could you go to this website, which was our event bright space, you know, where, where the where the website is, is is hosted. And I said, could you give me a press release based on that? And it did. And it, it wasn't a final press release, to be clear, but it was a really, really good first start that I could just go in and edit it. So it saved me having to re- redo all that and basically do it. I just had to sort of edit it. So as a sort of basic administrative assistant, I don't even know what to call it, right? But it's a sort of yeah. something that can help you rather than staring at a blank sheet of paper. I, I I will be honest, I did ask just to try it out. And in one of our newsletters, I said, what would a sermon look like for Christmas Day? Yeah. And right. I think if you're sitting there, uh, it might, it's not that I'm going to read this ChatGPT sermon, right? On, I, that would be a disservice to me as priest, to certainly the, the people that are there to listen to this, who took the time out to come be there, right? But I think that it can provide us with some sparks of starting points. Does that make sense? Yes. And, and I think this is the, the history of technology is the history of humans harnessing the environment to create a new tool that assists them in their work of becoming more human. So, so the plow um, led to more human flourishing harness the earth, create a plow with it. Um, you have less time put into the task of plowing the field. And, and around the time that happens in human history, you have an increase in human culture, music and art and, and communities forming. So um, technology as a tool is a great, and, and a lot of what you just described, I, I hear as properly using a new piece of technology as a tool to help um free you up to then go do more human things. So the tool is there to serve the human. Um, and so I think that is perhaps one of the, one of the initial guardrails that we can put around exploring how to use tools like this is our, is our use of them treating this like a tool and, and keeping it in that box of this is a tool. This is not a replacement for, for more human activities, but actually frees us up to do more human activities. You and I are able to, um, talk in a version of face-to-face right now because of some really great tools. Um, and so if we keep video conferencing in the category of tool that can lead to more human flourishing, and you and I use it from states away, um, I think that's an excellent use of a tool. When we get so used to the tool that we're in a building with peers and we hop on a Zoom call instead of sitting around a table, that's that's where the tool actually stops you from doing something more human. So um, I think that's how I'd articulate that, that technology 
Um, like what, what our Lord says about the Sabbath, our Sabbath is for humans. Um, mm. And so um, that might be a personal and then maybe even organizational check of, of our use of tools. Are they, is this tool enabling us to do more human things than, than let's use it as a tool? And keep our ear to the ground for unintended and that was, consequences. Yeah, and, and that was one of the great things in your article. And we'll we'll link the article in the show notes so people can go read the article that was in the Living Church that that led to this conversation. And I, oh, and I want to finish with this question because part of the reason why I wanted you on here is not only did you know the technology, but you're also a theologian, right? You you know about. I think all of your answers here have been very well, sort of. Uh, place within theology. But let me ask you a more sort of germane question. Where is God in this AI technology? Where is uh, the Holy Spirit at work in in this work? Yeah, I, I think the um, my shortest of answers would be in the in the people who are seeking to to use it or to place boundaries around it or what that, that God is um, as he, as he has always done is, is working through humans. And so the, it, it's, um, it, it's, I, I don't know that it's on the same level as something like a printing press. We won't know for a few more centuries and you and I won't, won't be around to find out. Um, but hey, speak I, I for think, yourself. No. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Sorry. I, I, I don't, I don't think I will. Um, <laughs> the, the Holy spirit, was with with the people who developed the tool of the printing press and in its and in its use and and um and so I, I think that's where it would be this this it it almost seems like we're diminishing it if we just say it is it is not this great new thing it is just a new tool but I think a, a tool back to back to Augustine in a sense right a, a tool should be in the place of a tool and when we elevate a tool too high it's going to be detrimental. And so we're actually, um, I don't know if honoring is the best word, but I think we're, we're honoring technology like this by calling it what it is and placing it within the box of this is a, this is a tool. Um, and that if wonderful things are going to be done through it for the, for the church, it will be the Holy spirit working through the people to wisely use the tool and and the tool gets, um, tool credit for that. I mean, you know, Books, books do a lot for us, and that, but it, but it's um, it's it's the next big thing in that sense. Um, but for the church, it's it's the same old thing in the sense of God working through humans. We've now have this access to a new tool that that perhaps has some potential and some drawbacks in in furthering the work of, of His church. And and I really like how you you place that. Basically, I think the way I heard it was it's about intentionality, right? It's a tool which can be used for good, it can be used for bad, but we have to be intentional. As Christians, I think we're called to be intentional to make sure that it is that it, it has its place as a tool and that it never sort of replaces a human interaction and, and where we should be pastoral with, with others. That's, I think, so for, for those who are listening, it's not something to be afraid of. It is something that can be helpful to us and certainly something that... Uh, that, that I think holds great potential uh, for helping us. But as Father John mentioned, it is something that we need to keep as a tool. 
And uh, any final words, Father John, as, as we go into this future now that, that begins to put us into AI? I'm sure if we have this conversation in five years, it'll be something completely different. You might even be having it with a bot. Uh, any final words as we go into this, this future of AI? I think you've really, you really put it well. Whatever, it, whatever changes come in, in a week or in a year, I, I think that what the general principle of we honor the tool and our own humanity and other humans around us when we put tools and technology in their proper place. And, and because we Excellent. have the ability to do that, we don't, we don't need to fear. And there's a lot of room for hope. Amen to that. Father John Jordan, thank you very much for joining us today. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, Lorenzo. Thanks for listening. Please subscribe and be sure to leave a review. To learn more about Tritank, visit tritank.org. Be sure to sign up for our monthly newsletter where you can keep up with all of our experiments. The Tritank Podcast is a production of Tritank in association with Resonate Media. Tritank is a joint venture between Virginia Theological Seminary and General Theological Seminary. Again, thanks for joining us. I'm Father Lorenzo Labrija. Until next time, may God bless you. Do you have something to say? Are there people who want or need to hear from you? Have you always wanted to start a podcast but don't know where to start? Welcome to Resonate Media, where our mission is to amplify you. At Resonate Media, we focus on helping underrepresented voices and aspiring podcasters get started by providing equipment, expertise, and experience to help you launch a podcast. To get started, visit ResonateMediaPro.com. Don't let the confusion, complications, and costs of hosting, recording, editing, and distribution hold you back. The world needs to hear what you have to say. Resonate Media can help your voice be heard.